Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Mr. Eli Capel of Elite Progression Fitness, coming to you from Mayapack, New York. Eli, what is going on, my man? How are you today? Good, sir. How are you? I am doing fantastically. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to to pick your brain and and find out the inner workings of Elite Progression and, and what it looks like from a business sense. Before we dive into all that you do day to day, to grow this thing and, and to operate ongoing. Let's get some context here. I think this is important for people that will ultimately listen to this. First, for those that aren't familiar with your gym or, or the brand in general, talk to us a little bit about the gym. What is this? How do you describe what you guys do here? Uh, what it originally started was uh, CrossFit Mayapack, Mayapack, New York. And how I discovered it, I was in the military. Uh, Love the training methodology and wanted to just replicate that and give great training, um, great CrossFit classes to people. That's where I originally started and, and kept with that, kept with that theme and had good group classes. And it, it has it evolved over the times. It's, it's just more improve the fitness of the people around me, right? Touch thousands of people's lives, improve their fitness day after day, workout after workout hour after hour, right? That's through physical exercise, nutrition, uh, lifestyle, and everything that is encompassed in those kind of three pillars. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, I mean, it sounds simplistic at this point, but at the end of the day, helping people, right? Yeah. How do yeah. we get them to trend in a more positive direction? And so you guys do that in a number of different ways. We'll certainly explore what that looks like, but Take us back first, first and foremost, bring us in your time machine here as to when this idea was spinning around your head and you thought, Hey, I'm going to open up a gym. I'm going to venture off on my own and do this. When was that? 2008. Okay. I was sitting on a deployment overseas, Iraq. Um, and it kind of struck me that I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. I wanted to do something I really enjoyed. And I want to work out for the rest of my life. So <laughs> there we are. How do I make money and work out? So I think, well, you can own the gym. And my idea of, of owning a huge, big, big box gym was quickly defeated when you realize you don't have the capital and the commas in your bank account to open one. Yeah. Um, Not cheap, that's for sure. Yeah. But lingering in the background was this training methodology going on around me, right? A lot of our um, elite level kind of special ops guys are doing CrossFit and I didn't understand it. So I made fun of it. Um, As until, did many. I don't yeah, think right. you were alone in that. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just like, you can't get a workout in nine minutes. What, that doesn't even make sense, right? So I, I tried it. I did the uh, level one. I thought it was amazing. Um, it gave me a lot of insight on, on actually what it is, and it was, it was very different. Uh, I stuck with that for a while, and then, you know, fast forward 2010, I'm looking for a place in New York. 
Um, I, I don't have much money to start it up, which is great. So I look for a, a little garage, very grassroots at the time. You know, there was a, not a lot of uh, great mentors out there that have, you know, build their kind of uh, gym mentoring businesses. So yeah. it was just, you know, start from the ground up. Yeah. Build it and they will come. And that's kind of what happened for the first few years. Yeah. And so bootstrapping it from the very beginning, how do we get this off the ground? And, and CrossFit certainly lends itself to that sort of ideology of like, we can do this out of a garage. We can do it with fancy expensive implements we can do it with cheap dirty implements we can we can do it with whatever we have available let's figure out a way to make this a reality and so 2008 comes about you guys are are at least trending towards opening up a business when did you get the doors open day one uh january 5th 2011 okay my first first member come in and uh it started very you know ones and then three and then five um, about six months later, I could sustain, you know, daily operation that I ran hundred percent of it you know, in and out, which wasn't much, right. Wasn't much marketing to do back then. There's no Facebook marketing in 2011. Yeah. Um, you know, unless you're just posting stuff, but so yeah, I did a hundred percent of the stuff and, uh, for, for a while before I brought on, you know, my first coach, you know, yeah. like 2012 after that. Sure. And, and so you touched on a couple of different things, at least of marketing and, and growth. Yeah. The, the landscape in 2011 and the landscape in 2022, vastly, vastly different as far as how to generate leads and, and generate interest in a business in general. But we've sort of danced around the fact, but we haven't said it explicitly. The model of this, you, you mentioned CrossFit a handful of times, the model of this being the group class atmosphere, right? Led by a coach, people are signing up for a time slot, paying a monthly fee. What spoke to you about group classes? Why that sort of methodology? Why not one-on-one -on -one training? I mean, you already mentioned the open gym model and, and sort of the barriers to entry there, but what spoke to you about group classes? Um, it, it was kind of how it was introduced to me. Um, I, my first CrossFit experience was in Washington state, a couple, couple old gyms out there that probably still exist. And that's, that's what I was, that's what I was seeing. You know, that's what I was taught. Uh, as far as business model, I, I couldn't have, I couldn't give you a structured one, but I did understand the importance of teaching people and, you know, given my background of level of instruction, I wanted to give people someone the same thing. I don't want them to come in and, and just flail about and, and hurt themselves. So I did a very intensive kind of three week, uh, one-on-one -on -one small, small group kept foundations, right. To get them started. Sure. And it was group because that's where it's, that's where it's fun. That's where, you know, I can get more people in one hour, that, that kind of aspect. And that's, that's what I understood. And that's what I, um, at the time, that's kind of what I ran. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so how did that work through, COVID. Obviously, I, I, everybody that listened to this podcast was affected by COVID in some capacity or another. Fitness was a weird, weird industry to be in throughout that time. How do your membership numbers now compare to 2019? Um, we're doing better. So okay, 
yeah, 2019, we weren't, we weren't bad. 20, you know, 2020, 2021, as we were shut down, we did see, you know, something like a handful, maybe a very small percentage of people uh, not come back. Um, but as soon as everything kind of lifted and, and all these different mandates, a lot of people are starting to come, come around. They want to join, they want to get back into it. Um, surprisingly, a lot of people had kids during this time frame um, and they're ready to get back to, to working out and being, being in shape as well. So uh, we're, we're better off than we were 2019. Right? Fantastic. Okay. And, and how do your numbers now compare to where you ultimately think there could be? Is there, is there still room for growth here? Uh, for sure. Um, and a different aspect. I think we're going to, we're going to tackle and grow right with kind of what the, the market demands right now. I think the group, the group thing is great. They, you know, but if we can provide them something better, maybe more one-on-one -on -one to start off with, uh, we've also implemented a little hybrid. They can upgrade their group to personal training. So I think that's a, a big thing that we're now. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's, it's, it's worthwhile to note that's an interesting sort of paradigm shift amongst the gym owner community. Whereas pre-COVID, I think everybody, especially in CrossFit, everybody wanted to just shove as many bodies through the door. How high can we climb this membership count? It's been a little bit of a, the pendulum swinging the other way. Maybe we don't need 500, 600, 1,000 members. Maybe we can serve this somewhat smaller population, but do so in a higher caliber way than we did before, right? Maybe we can layer on some other services. Maybe we can provide exponential value compared to what we were doing and get these people even better results right at the end of the day it's not just how do we charge people more money right Correct. it's how do we demonstrate the value of what we do and for the people looking for more than just a monthly membership how do we provide those people a route to go yeah so we do have some room for growth. I want to at least touch on the marketing piece of this before we explore sort of those other services, because I think both are important to note here. You mentioned coming out of COVID in a better position than what you were 2019. And so what was, what was driving that? Where have you found success in terms of generating leads and generating interest? Um, honestly, a lot of organic stuff, just being out in the community. A lot of people here drive by, a lot of foot traffic. Um, uh, we take part in some local fairs, put up a tent, put up a table, right? Shake hands. The more people we kind of build our relationships with, the easier it is for them to kind of refer out. And yeah. uh, We also have a, a pretty decent partnership kind of referral program with the physical therapy uh, facility. Ah, okay. They, um, which you know, just recently they've moved upstairs of our building. So they were like a half mile down the block. Now they're upstairs, which, you know, helpful connection. That's, that's pretty clutch there. So it could be, there could be a good opportunity there as well. Sure. And, and so a number of different sources, right? When we talk about marketing, I think it's, it's important to know it's more of a toolkit than a singular tool, right? It needs to come from a variety of sources. Um, and one thing that you mentioned along the way a little bit earlier, at least when we were talking about opening was Facebook ads and, and utilizing social media. 
do you guys put money into whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Google, any of these things? I, we have in the past and we've kind of utilized a lot of different, uh, uh, techniques, if you will, right. Using Facebook marketing, I've run ads myself. I learned how to, you know, mess with the pixels and boost money or put money into it. And I built out, you know, how do you do, write the right content? What kind of pictures to use and videos I've hired somebody to do it for me. Um, then I've hired a local company to come and just kind of follow the gym around and get more of a personal feel on that. Um, but what I've found that works best is the organic for this, this area. Right? And for us, I, I could stop all paid advertising and people, people will come in. Like, how did you hear about us? How did you rent? And I go back to all the people that have been coming. Like, how did you hear about us? Drove by, saw the sign. So-and-so did. I did it before I Googled you. Yeah. So if 100% of my, my new client base is zero Facebook spend. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because of, I mean, everything that you said, right? There's so many ways to go about it. And it's a skill like anything else. People make entire careers. Can we outsource it? Yeah. And there's a cost that comes with that. Can we keep it in-house? Yeah. But the cost is now time and energy to learn how to do it. If I think my perspective on it is that if we could get all the growth that we ever needed organically, that's the ideal, right? At the end of the day, we're trying to figure out how to get people in through the doors. The way that they chose to come through the doors, less important than the fact that they're doing it in the first place. Right? If we can make that happen for free, fantastic, right? That's, that's the best. Yeah. If we can sort of supplement that with paid advertising to boost what we're already doing. That's probably a, a second best or, or at least sufficient path to growth beyond what the organic methodology could take us naturally at least. So right. we've done it before. We've experimented with outsourcing it. We've experimented with keeping it in-house. It's, it, it, I mean, it, we could go for hours and hours and hours and talk about just that aspect of it, but I don't think that's a good use of time. Take us to the next step of the process, Eli. I think regardless of where that lead comes from, whether it's a walk-in off the street, a referral from somebody, they clicked on a Facebook ad, they found you through Google, whatever it is, how does, walk us through the sales process of that person reaching out with interest and that person eventually signing up. Walk us through that process. Yeah. Um, it, it's probably pretty common. A lot of people give, you know, the, the first free intro or that consultation. So we, we combine the two, depending on the person, I have a conversation with them. Uh, are they ready to work out day one? Do you want to come in and try some kind of physical assessment where we get to see where you are physically? Or do we just need to have a talk and see what, you know, the biggest obstacles in your path to getting better fitness? And we'll set you up with your next, you know, personal training sessions to, to get that, right. To get you started. And a lot of that is just about learning about them and, and growing a relationship and building some rapport and building some trust. So they feel comfortable coming back, feel comfortable coming back because what you're going to do is, is make them really uncomfortable. Right? And they already, they already have this narrative in their head that they don't belong in this type of gym. It's too intense for them. They can't do these these movements or they heard somebody else, you know, talk about it. And that's crazy too. But uh, the, the slower pace we build a lot of these folks up into uh, 
the more comfortable they'll feel and the better, the bigger the trust. Right. So you throw them into group class and say, Hey, I think you're ready. They'll feel ready. It takes some time. Not everybody is the same, but we're learning that too. Certainly. And so, like you said, not, uh, not an uncommon situation, but we get them in some sort of conversation, figure out what's best for them. How can we help you in that? Get them in a class to try it out. Sort of the same idea as, as buying a car, right? If I had to, if I had a car that I was trying to sell you, but wouldn't let you test drive it before buying it, that, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big purchase. People want to know and feel comfortable with what they're signing up for. So you guys have at least a a free session or something on the front end is conversion percentage or, or how many people out of how many leads we sign up. Is that something that you guys keep track of as a business? Um, Yes, we, you know, a light number. We keep, uh, we convert uh, over 80% of people doing the free session. Yeah. Okay. So and, if we, and, yeah, if we make that schedule and we get them in, they're going to try it. Um, they'll, they'll come back for their, their foundations and their PT sessions. Got it. Okay. And, and so, like we said, it's one thing to, generate a lead and and get them signed up, but we want to keep them (laughs) beyond just that point, right? It's far easier to keep a client than it is to sign up a new one. What about retention? Is that a metric that you guys keep your eye on? Uh, Yep. Yep. We, our retention, I'd say this year has been, has been probably less successful as previous years. And again, that's kind of where I alluded to, we're going to started adopting more of a, a hybrid and, and PT first model yeah. in order to build more of that kind of trust within them and us and more than themselves. Um, that way group classes, if that's an option is, is not as scary. A lot of people will get into group and just don't feel comfortable. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that, that change because I, CrossFit is notorious for being associated with group fitness, right? People think CrossFit, people think, group class, people throwing around barbells, jump ropes, yeah. whatever it happens to be. What, what are you guys doing? What's the shift towards? You mentioned PT first sort of an idea. Is that the goal here moving forward? Um, yeah, we, we do it now, just probably not as long as we need to. A lot of members are coming in, um, again, two years of hiatus, not, not being in a gym or um, a lot of new moms out there, not a lot of physical kind of activity, right? So we just need more time with that PT. But um, I think more than, let's say, eight sessions, right? They need to come in for maybe a couple months, just work on that PT first. And how we do that is probably just one-on-one time. They're, they understand what they see CrossFit, but they don't know what actually happens inside the gym. So we can easily dispel any kind of myths and, and fear just by giving them that pre-intro or that session yeah. and explain to them, like, we're going to do functional movements. We might do some high intensity. We might do, you know, this, that, and the other, but it's all based on your goal. Right? You want to get more fit. So they, you know, CrossFit to them is what we say it is. It's not really uh, what the games look like, what regionals look like. Right. Right. And, and that really speaks to the conversation that we had earlier. If that's, 
our true intention. And if we're to look at it from a business sense, we, we need far fewer people to hit our revenue goals and our profitability goals if they are in some sort of personal training program, assuming that that program is a little bit more higher ticket than our group training program. And it makes sense that it would be. We can serve a far smaller population while still maintaining or even growing those revenue and profit numbers at the end of the day. Is that, do you guys have like a, hey, I want to hit this many people in PT or what's, let me ask the question this way because that's confusing. Where do you see or what is your goal for this business here in the next year or two? Yeah, I, I would definitely like to see, you know, the numbers probably double, right? Double with at least 30%, maybe 50% um, in a hybrid group PT continuous model. And a lot of, a lot of the programming that they're going to do is, is based off of their relationship with their coach, right? They have a coach that they work with for a long time, um, they can come into a group class. Everybody's going to do something very similar, but it's still kind of based off their, their PT um, hybrid kind of setup they have. Yep. And, and you think that'll happen here? Is that already happening or is that something you guys are going to pull the trigger yeah, on? Yeah, we're working on, working on the, uh, the big blocks of it first now. Got it. Okay. And, and so let me start to wrap this whole interview up. Uh, Eli, I've, sort of one final question and I think it's important for us to keep in context we, our whole conversation has been around the business how do we grow a business in this sort of model where are you guys trending towards I want to sort of remove that from here and, and ask you what is your goal as Eli Capel the entrepreneur where do you see yourself here in the future um I would definitely like the facility to kind of uh grow and ascend from me I don't have to work in it forever and ever I don't I mean I, I love coaching it's kind of the original thing I wanted to do see people get better um, but at the same time I'd like to have my coaches have make a living off this hire a couple extra you know, operations kind of run smoothly and then I'll take on whatever role that I want to get from there and if I have the option to do that yeah it's it, it's an interesting question. And, and every time I ask people, I get a little bit different of a response. And I think that's really the value of these interviews here. People open up businesses because they want to do it their own way, right? And for you, it sounds like that, that sort of is still coming into fruition, that that goal is still being solidified in your mind. But I think using the business as the vehicle to get to that point, it makes it exciting to come into work every day. It's like trying to get a high score on a video, if you will. Sure. So yeah. it's, uh, and at the, at the end of the day, we get to help people throughout that process too. So that makes it uh, a nice little added benefit. Eli, this has been a, a great time, man. I, I really appreciate your insight and, and your willingness to share what's going on in the business. Before we sign out of here, before we close out i want to give you the chance to tell people where they can learn a little bit more about the business is there a website is there social media where should we send people to yep uh eliteprogression.com right and then uh 
you can hit us up on a chat right there on the, the front page if you need to. Simple enough. Simple. Fantastic. Sir, I, I thank you for your time. Like I said, this is this has been fantastic. I'm excited to see what the future of Elite Progression looks like, and, and we'll certainly be cheering for you and wishing nothing but the best. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And to everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk fitness business with gym owners and fitness pros who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Coastal Gung Fu and Boxing Club in Marblehead, Massachusetts. Steve, how are you doing? Uh, Peter, how are you doing today? <laughs> Steve, That's right. Sometimes I call myself Steve. Um, Steve was the guy downstairs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris. Oh, boy. So, we got a lot of names here today. <laughs> That's okay. Um, Peter, it's funny because we have I, I have several members and colleagues named Steve. So, like when and and Steve and Pete kind of sounds a little the same. So when we're in the same room together, it's uh, <laughs> we'll get your name right on the title. That's for sure, Peter. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. So, tell us about Coastal Gung Fu and Boxing Club. What are you all about in a nutshell? Okay, so um, we are a Functional strength training gym, for one thing, um, in where we specialize in, in um, like, I want to say like kind of Olympic style lifting and posterior chain work, core strength. Uh, we're a USA boxing gym, and we have been for almost 10 years. And um, we also are a Jeet Kune Do and small circle wing chun school. Um, Jeet Kune Do is the art that Bruce Lee created. I was really lucky to find a guy named Sean Madigan in New York about 20 plus years ago. And then he introduced me to Steve Golden, who became my instructor, who was an original Bruce Lee student in the LA Chinatown School. Uh, we have two floors. We have um, a nice weight room downstairs with a, a lever gym that is uh, basically a safer type of Smith machine. Um, Thousands of pounds of weights, dumbbells, kettlebells, clubs, weighted hammers, uh, Bulgarian sandbags. Uh, we have three Wing Chun dummies to practice Wing Chun on when you don't have a training partner, or if you just feel like smacking your arms into something that's harder than like a heavy bag. We have every kind of bag you can think of, different types of heavy bags, speed bags, um, dumbbell end balls. We have a small boxing ring in the next room that is diamond shaped because we couldn't fit a stand-up ring 
on the floor in the other room because of the height of the ceiling. Lots of resistance bands everywhere. We also teach some weaponry, um, very practical self-defense, but we also get into some of the more traditional Wing Chun, let's say. Although in my case, it's not like you would see in a lot of Wing Chun schools where we merged it with small circle jujitsu many years ago and it became small circle Wing Chun. And we found that it made everything work better. And then we were able to merge that with the boxing, which is a lot of what Jeet Kune Do is about. And uh, on a given day, we'll do anything from a lot of, uh, you know, teaching people how to weight train properly, holding focus mitts or sticks for boxers, sparring, uh, teaching martial arts classes, hand-to-hand -hand stuff. Uh, so we, we try to cover all our bases. Yeah, and it sounds like a, a lot of different options. You know, mm -hmm. it's not it's not one size fits all. It's nope. you know, come in, try it on, see what part of what we have you mm -hmm. like, and then we'll we'll try to make you um, as good as you can be at it for the effort that you're willing to come in and and put with us. Yeah, that sounds pretty much like us in a nutshell. <laughs> okay, so you've been in the location that you have right now for um, almost. Uh, so nine plus years, almost going yeah. on 10 years. We're going on our 10th year. Going on, going on the 10th year um, in a few months here. Time, time flies. So, yeah. um, you know, you've got, you've got a lot of instructors, a lot of different, you know, coaches, including, um, you know, family working in the business. But mm -hmm. um, over the 10 years, I mean, you didn't just open the doors and it was like that. What would you say some of the big milestones have been as far as the business? I know you've had some expansions, you've had different growth. So what would you say that the highlight reel is of that stuff? So opening up, it was interesting. I had been training people at other gyms. I'm also a personal trainer and I had been doing Jeet Kune Do classes and teaching some boxing in, again, some other local gyms. And I was really renting space. And then we were training outside when the weather was nice. Marvel has a really nice scenic town, so there's a lot of places on the ocean you can train. And we still do. And I, I wasn't really looking for a place to open. I actually was in another business. Um, I was in the restaurant business at the time. And I was mainly training people during the day and then working at a restaurant at night. And the building I'm in has two, well, it actually has three floors, but the bottom floor and the and the floor that I'm on now were empty. Nobody had been in here for a while. And I lived across the street, which I actually still do. So I have a nice short commute, which means I'm working a lot. Fantastic. Yeah. So there was no, it, it's funny. It was actually one day Jake and I were looking for a place to do focus mitt work, and we just don't have a very big yard across the street. And didn't feel like going down the park, didn't feel like going over the gym that day. It was just like, just on the spot. And one of our neighbors who lived over here said, hey, why don't you use the parking lot? Because nobody was in it. And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, great, sure, you don't mind, thanks. So we come over and we're doing some, and he pops out with a pair of gloves too, so we're playing around with him, and he's like, you know, why don't you go put an offer on the downstairs? He, he, he's like, nobody's been in there for three or four years. <laughs> go put an offer in. So I was not planning on opening a gym. And I, and I looked at it, and I was like, wow, you know, this would be good for a little personal training, part-time hobby gym. 
you know, not, wasn't going to be anything full time. And I had, at the time I had a Wing Chun dummy that I had taken apart because when we moved, I didn't have anywhere to put it, a heavy bag and a speed bag, a pair of focus mitts, and a handful of boxing gloves. And a lot of them were pretty old. Some of them I had had since my boxing days, which were back in the 70s and early 80s. And I had some old, like, gym mats I had had in my basement that, like, when we would move on them, they'd actually float. We'd have to push them back together. <laughs> so I went down and I made an offer and they said yes. And I was like, oh, okay, now I'm going to have to get this place open. And, you know, that that was like the weekend before. So I said, can I get in a little early and start trying to get some stuff in place so I can open on the 1st of November? And they were like, sure. So I found everything I could find, which I mean, I had like two kettlebells. Now we have like 50. <laughs> I had um, the old Solo Flex, an old Total Gym, and the wooden dummy that I needed to build a frame for because I had kind of, the old frame had kind of petrified. So getting it apart, I kind of had to destroy it. And couldn't find the hanger for the heavy bag. Couldn't find all the parts for the speed bag platform. So I had to order parts and get this, but I managed to get enough together to open up November 1st. And the first two years, it was really just doing mornings here and a handful of afternoon people. And it was mostly adults. Um, at the time, I was kind of afraid of training kids. I um, hadn't done it. Hadn't had a real lot of good luck training my own children until they were like teenagers. And it, I, I just didn't think I could teach Jeet Kune Do to somebody under 16 years old. I just thought the size difference would be. And that was really our cornerstone was Jeet Kune Do. We weren't thinking boxing as much then. We did it, but it wasn't like we were, that wasn't our marquee thing. It was, it was functional strength, body weight training, and Jeet Kune Do. And, you know, we got a fairly good steady flow. And after a year, we were looking at maybe opening up the upstairs. We had gathered some equipment. We had 20, 30 members. Um, all, all of them were private. So it was generating a decent amount of income, enough to at least pay for my time in the building. And I was about to pull the trigger on the upstairs and we hit our first obstacle, um, which was basically the 2000, I'm going to say 15 snowpocalypse. We had a blizzard like every freaking weekend for two months. It was just like, it was just, and it was like myself and one of my assistants just spent, we literally spent time just trying to figure out how to punch faster and harder because that was all we could do. There was nothing else going on. So we got through that. And again, I had another job to offset expenses. And we didn't lose all our clients or anything. It's just it slowed down a little bit because of the weather. So that, we got through that winter. And I think it was around that March um, a woman walks in with these two twin girls that are like 12 years old, Hannah and Louise. And um, 
they, I knew their mother. We, we'd gone to school together. And the kids were kind of shy. And they were, didn't have a lot of confidence. And their mom and dad were like, you know, can you, they're interested in boxing and whatever you're doing here. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I've never trained a 12 year old, but we'll give it a shot. I'm like, they were, they were nice kids. And I, I really like their mom and dad. And that changed things. I found out I could teach kids. And within a short period of time, they started getting very good and started helping me teach other kids and would help me game plan. And we started getting people who had, like kids that had obstacles to overcome, kids with autism, kids with physical disabilities or emotional issues. And they would bring them to us and say, can you help us? And the girls would help me game plan. You know, if we got a kid who had Asperger's, we knew nothing about it. So we started studying about Asperger's and they helped me game plan how to train this kid who's now been with us seven years and is actually able to coach also. <laughs> so, so that turned the corner on us really understanding that we could train kids and they learned everything. Ian and Louise learned how to, how to um, do functional strength training, Jeet Kune Do, the Wing Chun in, the boxing in. They could hold focus mitts like it was nobody's business. And they became assistant instructors in high school. And they're, they're both in college now, otherwise, you know, we'd, we'd have them here. They would be full instructors by now. They knew their stuff. Um, and they will be whenever they come back. So, so that changed things. And then we started getting younger kids and we started getting more clients. And, but we still had that thing where it was like, you know, sometimes it was month to month. It was like, okay, we don't have a lot of cash flow. How do we get cash flow? So I took a little leap of faith about, the, I'm going to say third year, and I grabbed the upstairs space and made an investment in the upstairs space and quit my other job and went full time. And almost went out of business after the second month. Because <laughs> I just wasn't sure how to market it at the time or, or, or where to market it. And, you know, we'd have these like real ebbs and flows where we'd get a lot of word of mouth and we'd get a lot of people in. And then it would slow down and it was like, we were, you know, people would go to college. So we'd have to try to replace them. So I started using Facebook ads because it was an inexpensive way to advertise. And we had a lot of followers on Facebook and that started working on getting more people to see the gym. And then uh, I think around the five year mark, the word of mouth started getting around really good. I mean, we had a reputation for working with the schools and working with, you know, kids with, 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 um, um, issues they had to overcome to, you know, whether it was physical or emotional or mental to get them to be able to cope with things and get them to where they wanted to get to. We had joined USA Boxing, I think in 2013 again. So 
I think it was 2013. I have to go look at the poster. I, I, I save all the posters. They're all over the place. And we started partnering with them and then partnered with National Academy of Sports Medicine and a couple of other organizations. We started an internship program. So we started taking the high school kids that um, were going to do like their senior project here. And we started teaching them to coach and then we would get them to coach kids and we would do kids programs that they would coach, teach kids to coach kids and pay them over minimum wage. So we were teaching them also to value their time. And that started getting around. And so we, we had built this kind of business model on working from, you know, bringing people along from inside and we never had to hire someone from outside. We, we would always have somebody who would become a coach that was training here. And it, 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 and then the internship program started to grow. Um, so we always, we never had problems staffing. So when we hit, you know, we started having some competitive boxers. We started doing some seminars started drawing martial artists in from other schools to come see what we did. Um, started training everybody of all these, you know, our membership at that point is like eight to 80. So it's all over the place, men, women, uh, every size, shape, color, race, nationality, creed, whatever you could say, all inclusive, everybody's welcome. Just can't be a jerk. No jerks. That's a good one to exclude. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, if you show off, you're probably going to get knocked on your ass. We're a boxing gym, you know? And, uh, but we, we started again, building a really good reputation in the area that, you know, we, we want everybody to feel like they're getting more than their money's worth. Um, with the parents, we want them to, you know, be encouraged to come in and see what their kids are doing at any time. You know, complete transparency. We, um, so, you know, it started building that way again. Then, you know, they're bringing their friends in. Again, more word of mouth than anything else. And we hit a point where in, like, I'm gonna say like November, 1919, we were really cruising. We were at a point where it's like, okay, you know, like every other week we were like, we got to buy another bag. We got to put more outside. We have to get more things that are kind of like modular that we can move around inside. We have to figure out a way to have 20 people in a group class in a place that really you should only have 10 and be able to have them fit without feeling like they're right on top of each other. So we puzzled it together again and we had it, you know, like things like putting pads on this so you could use it as a bag, you know, things like that. Um, double end balls that you could store up in the ceiling and pull down when you needed them. You know, so we just, you know, the ring, which we could collapse if we needed extra space just for a big wide open class or put back together for sparring. And again, outside stations. Um, 
So we got all that in place. And like I said, we were cruising. We had cash flow. We had a couple of years to play with in the bank by then. We're like, we're hitting it where it's like, okay, we're at that point where we've made it past that point where you're going to go out of business if you're not careful. We're, we're, we're in a good place. And then <clears throat> January 2020, COVID. <laughs> COVID hits. And um, I'm like, okay, we're good. We're, we're, we have a lot of members. And one of the first things that happened before anything closed down, we all started talking about, okay, what do we have to do? We had one of these portals. My, my wife had actually bought one to talk to our, 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 her grandchild down in Florida. So our children down there. And this camera has smart tracking technology. It'll follow me, get it to follow me. So you can see it'll follow me around the room. It'll zoom on me, it's in group mode. So if there were two of us here, it would expand if we separate, it'll contract if we come together. It also has a speaker mode where it'll just zoom on me in a manual mode if I want to open it up so people can see my feet all the time, which with footwork, you want to do that. So we had one. So I started bringing it over. I had a nice little all-in-one computer, but that didn't have smart tracking technology. But it had, I could get Zoom on it, my phone, um, another tablet that I had. So we just started setting them up with Zoom everywhere. And the big issue was not keeping members, but was finding equipment for them so they could do the classes remotely. Nobody could find weights. Nobody could find anything. Um, I, I had a really good relationship with a couple of my suppliers, including Century Martial Arts. They turned around and offered everything with free shipping at cost to anybody I wanted to ship it to. So I was able to provide not only my members, but anybody who wanted with equipment from them. So rather than our membership shrinking during that time, it started expanding because we started getting an online presence, which we had never had. So next thing I did is I invested in several of these smart cameras, including the one that you're watching me on now, which is portable, which is a new one. And that goes with me anywhere I go in the, in the gym. Second thing I did is I made sure people had equipment at home. We loaned out a lot of weights. We have a, we have a list of where things are. <laughs> um, if we couldn't find it to get for somebody, we loaned it to them if we didn't need it. Um, then we started getting, so that, like the next thing I did during, during the pandemic was um, I, I started offering a couple of free classes in the morning. I did the Sloan Tower, which is a Wing Chun form. It looks like this. You just it's a, it's a standing form where you just, you're doing, it's all based on center line and understanding. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but just give you a little idea of it. And in fact, the translation, Solom Dao, is a little idea. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all these different positions that, like you'll see these positions when you're doing Wing Chun or Jeet Kune Do, which is this Wing Chun. Jeet Kune Do is a base of Wing Chun boxing and fencing, really. You look at what Bruce Lee's framework for it was. And it's about daily decrease rather than just adding stuff on. You build your toolbox and then you get rid of the ones 
or you put away the ones you don't need after you start to get better, like, and get more efficient. So we started teaching the Salam Dao every day on a live stream on Facebook and on Zoom. So we'd have multiple things going, and on Instagram. <laughs> and sometimes people would be on another device signed in because they couldn't get their Zoom going in a Facebook Messenger room. So we had people on, and all of a sudden I noticed we got people watching from the Philippines, England, other places. And most of these people I know, but there's this one guy in the Philippines, his name's D. Sanchez, and he gets in touch with me. He's like, can I join you guys on Zoom? I'm like, of course. Um, so he started his own group over there. So they now are Coastal Gun Phone Boxing Philippines. Oh, wow. So, yeah, and we just met Long distance friends. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. And his, his, he has family here, so hopefully we'll get him over to visit sometime. But he's, he's learned a lot just being able to do it remotely with us. And they, he, he couldn't find anybody over there to do, like, the, the Jeet Kune Do with the framework that we have. There were other ones over there, but they were based more on the concepts framework, which is more Filipino martial arts, where he's in the Philippines, they have plenty of Filipino martial arts. Mm -hmm. So he wanted it with the Wing Chun framework. So then, you know, after they shut everything down, we had this network of people with equipment and we had smart cameras and we had access to equipment. Um, I never asked for a dime over my cost. Every person who got anything from me gave me at least $50 over my cost. And I never asked for it. I, I just wanted them to have equipment. And yeah. I started realizing right, you're doing good things for other people. They're, it comes back to you. So we're doing this on down. And then I noticed one of my friends who had kids watching. And I said, you know what? We're going to do a gym class every day from noon to one. Calisthenics, bag work, shadow boxing, body weight workouts. So if you don't have anything at home, say so you get your kids off the couch and get them doing something physical. <clears throat> that took off. And then it allowed us, again, to get more exposure. And it gave us good publicity which isn't why we did it, but you take good publicity whenever you can get it. And it led to actually us getting a grant. Okay. I didn't, I didn't even apply for it. Someone actually applied for it in my name for what we were doing with a philanthropic purpose. So that gave us some more capital to play with. And we used it for upgrading a few things that we needed to, the smart cameras, you know, making it a, a, an easier environment for people to work with us um, in. So we were fortunate in that, that we never had to really ask for anything. We didn't have to get help from the government. We didn't have to, and then once everything started opening up, people were like really, anxious to get back in and train. So like we started doing outside stuff while they still kind of had the indoor band going. And then we got networking with other local businesses trying to get everybody to support each other's business. 
So between all of that, we got through the pandemic and now we're looking at upgrading a little again. So, and we have a hundred members. <laughs> yeah. It, and it, it, takes that, it takes a lot of creativity to fit that yeah. in. So yeah. man, um, I, I feel like you did my job for me. So first and <laughs> foremost, thank you. I mean, I think you hit yeah. a lot of the main <laughs> topics. So clearly you, you know, you know, know the business inside and out. You you have a, a strong sense of history, but also, you know, adapting, you know, changing with the times, incorporating technology, expanding your scope of of who you service to to those who you can serve well and making sure that you do that in the community. Um, really the only thing that it leaves me to ask you is what's left to do. I mean, you've been doing this for, you know, nine plus years as this business and in the realm of it a lot longer, you know, is it, is it just, you know, going to stay contained in this building? Are you going to try to spread this remote reach that you have? Like what's left on the agenda of things that you want to do? Well, one is we've started getting into the seminar circuit, which you can do, and I want to keep spreading what we're doing because it's different than the other Jeet Kune Do schools out there. And I'm not saying better. Um, there's a lot of good trainers out there. Um, like even like around here in the boxing community, I there's two friends of mine that have boxing gyms. One of the guys was a national Golden Gloves champion, and he's amazing. And a lot of times if I have a kid that I think is really ready to get serious and we just don't have the time, I'll farm them up to him. And we support each other's businesses a lot. Um, it's not been uncommon for me to go over there and help him with somebody or vice versa. So we're, we've, we've tried to, instead of looking at competing with other like businesses in the area that are similar to complement them. So, and we've been able to, again, build a kind of nice network of that. And with the Jeet Kune Do community, it's, it's interesting because most of them can't agree on anything. You've got like people who like will take the, the, the concepts approach, which is really the Dan and Asanto approach. And Dan and, Asanto, Dan and Asanto was one of Bruce Lee's top guys. And he, he, he's a phenomenal martial artist, but his teaching is really based on Filipino martial arts, not on the Wing Chun paradigm. Um, and then again, we've gone... So what I see in the Jeet Kune Do community, and this isn't an insult, okay? I hope it's not anyway. And what I see in the Jeet Kune Do community is a lot of people like just want to learn what Bruce Lee did and stick to just that curriculum that Bruce Lee had in his three schools, three eras. We were encouraged to look outside of that. Um, like for example, Bruce Lee's footwork when he coined Jeet Kune Do when he went from doing, which was what he called Jun Fan Kung Fu, which means Bruce Lee's Kung Fu, um, or a modified kind of Wing Chun he was doing. When he, when he started teaching Jeet Kune Do, he based the footwork on Muhammad Ali more than on the Wing Chun footwork because it was more mobile. He had had a kind of a, a fight with a guy that the story was this guy named Juan Jackman. The story was that they challenged Bruce to a fight for the right to teach non-Chinese people. Because Bruce was teaching everyone. And supposedly the Chinese community didn't like it. 
I don't know if that's a true story or not, but Bruce ends up chasing this guy around his school. It's in the Oakland school and eventually pins him to the ground. And the guy says, I quit, you know, after Bruce punches him a few times. But Bruce was tired and he felt like it was just the Wing Chun just wasn't efficient enough on its own and it should have been over much faster. So it, when you look at Bruce's move, he's fluid, he's, he's insanely fast, uh, relaxed, and he's using kind of Muhammad Ali style footwork. Well, that footwork is, uh, all right, number one, Bruce has been dead for 40 years or more. Um, his son Brandon never really did it the same way he did. He, he, he was really training with Daniel Asanto. So he, he didn't fight power side forward. He did, he was really gifted martial arts, gifted actor, you know, super tragic that he died so young. Cause I think he probably might've been able to get people to agree on what Jeet Kune Do was. Cause you know, since he was Bruce's son. So the footwork from back then, Muhammad Ali had phenomenal footwork, but it was really based on Sugar Ray Robinson's footwork. And then on and on. So we started a few years ago, like we noticed we were moving a little differently anyway, because we weren't really subscribing to just copying Bruce Lee anymore. We just, it just seems silly to me. It seemed like that's exactly what he wouldn't want you to do. And I never met him, so I can't say for sure, but it just seems with what he wrote about and what he talked about, it was all about evolving. So we started watching these Ukraine boxers like Vasily Lomachenko and Alexander Usyk and watching their footwork. And we found out that they, you know, like, like in one case, Vasily Lomachenko, his father stopped him from boxing like when he was seven years old and made him do like five years of Ukrainian dance. And then he comes back to boxing and the guy's footwork is magical. So we started following that. And people who were coming in, they were like, why is this so different? And I'm like, well, because we're using much more modern methods of training footwork. And then we started looking at ways to, like when you throw a punch, right? Ways to get momentum from different places to make it easier to throw, faster to throw, have more impact, be, be kind of stealthy. So we took that approach. So when people see what we do, they seem to want to find out how it works. So we've been able to get some people from the Wing Chun community and even though we're not a Wing Chun school, so to say, and other members of the Jeet Do community to come in and start just getting our message. And if they like it, that's great. And if they don't, that's okay too. But then they keep coming back if they like it. And we were able to get even some of the people online, like I have one colleague who he had trained with somebody for a long time and they just weren't doing anything. And he, at one point, you know, things changed a lot for him over a couple of years of doing online stuff. And again, because we also had to get people to understand how to move differently without having them in the room. So I, I think that's one of the things going forward. Sorry, I keep running on and on and on. Um, going forward, I want to see us get more involved in this seminar um, and, and kind of instructor workshop end of the, the business. I'd like to see us get, we've got a couple of guys that are fairly competitive right now. I'd like to see them 
in some USA boxing matches, maybe someone in the Golden Gloves next year. Uh, and I don't think we're going to expand size-wise. We really like where we are. It's a unique gym for, for what it is. And we, we're never too crowded in, until we're too crowded. <laughs> so I, I, a lot Anybody of times I running, running gym knows what you're talking about there. Yeah. And, and again, we have kind of outlets to go to when we need. It's like, like I'm, I'm going to be doing a summer program for outgoing seniors. If I need to, I can rent space in another spot if I, if I need from one of the schools or from a community center. If I need extra space, I don't think we're going to hit that point where we're going to have to. We've been able to manage the space really well. And, it, and, and it's funny because that's going to end up hitting during this time of the day where it's quiet. So it'll, it'll fill the space when there's not usually hardly anybody here. So, so that, um, continuing with the online presence, um, just continuing supporting our guys in the Philippines and in Canada, um, trying to constantly evolve and come up with better ways to uh, get people to learn and, and get better ways for get them to figure out the next step by themselves because that's when you really start improving. Um, we want to expand the amount of teachers that we have uh, because they need to teach. <laughs> so it's allowing us to increase the student base and let the, the kind of younger teachers take over with what I had done for so long and allow me just to work with them for the most part. Um, what else? No shortage of things to occupy your time. No, I mean, we, we're looking at, I'm actually going on a, a vacation slash business trip and I'm going to take some of our merchandise with us because we've done a lot of logo work over the last few years. We have custom made gloves and wraps made. We have a manufacturer overseas that makes them for us. So we're going to go to a few boxing gyms uh, over my vacation and, you know, show them what we're having made and see if they'd be interested in us supplying them. So we're looking at that too, looking at expanding our retail base a little bit. Awesome, man. Well, <laughs> You've, you've given us a lot. Unfortunately, we are just about out of time. Yeah. Really, um, last thing before we let you go today, mm -hmm. if people want to find out more, reach out to you, connect to you, see what you're doing with, with the facility and beyond, where are the best places for them to find you? So you can find us on Facebook. Um, it's the Coastal Gun Foam Boxing Club. Um, if you just type that in the search button, you'll find us. Instagram, it's Coastal JKD. Um, our, our, I have a website. It's CoastalJKD.com, I think. I have to go and look at what it is. Um, but it's under construction. And because we've been so busy, it's literally just a landing page. I don't even know if you can connect to the Facebook page from there. But we put a lot of stuff on the Facebook page. We also have a Google page. So if you Googled Coastal JKD, you'll see a lot of like pictures and, you know, reviews, handful of reviews. Um, and so we put a lot of information up there and it's really easy to find ways to contact us. And, and we're, we're always, you know, welcoming anybody who wants to come in and try out, see what we do.
So as we saw earlier, you had a tour at the beginning of our conversation. <laughs> yeah. Facebook, uh, Coastal Gung Fu and Boxing Club, Instagram, Coastal JKD, Google, Coastal JKD. Peter, we are officially out of time here. I, okay. I really appreciate you coming Thank on you. with us, spending some time, sharing your story. Um, I wish you continued success, sir, and I look forward to keeping in touch in the future. Yeah, I mean, in the future, if you ever want to do this again, I'll let you ask all the questions and I'll shut up for a minute. <laughs> hey, I mean, you you gave me everything I, that I was looking for. I just got to sit back and, and enjoy the ride uh, like a listener. So it's been an interesting you. experience. And it, definitely, I'm sure there'll be more to follow up on as you grow and expand yeah. and, and do different things. So for now, we have to we have to say goodbye. But I, I truly do appreciate you spending some time with us thank today. Thank you. Well, I really enjoyed this. And I, I continued success with what you're doing, too. And thank you for having us on, because this was very nice of you to, you know, highlight us. Thank you, sir. And to everyone out there listening, as always, thank you for spending some time with us. We hope you enjoyed uh, this segment with Peter, hearing the story. Hopefully you found value and inspiration. If you're not already doing something like this, but you have the desire, get out there, do something, make the first step. To everyone out there in Jim Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Brooke. Joining me on this show is Tom from Top Shelf Fitness in Stanhope, New Jersey. Welcome, Tom. How are you today? Good. Doing great. Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to have you here and, you know, to learn more about your fitness business. But before we do that, give our listeners a little brief overview as to what it was that got you started in this industry of being a fitness business owner. So uh, what basically catapulted uh, me was the interest that I had in this, uh, the actual, I guess you could say, um, gym or because I was a bodybuilder, that's pretty much what catapulted my interest in becoming a gym owner. Um, things were, you know, changing. And as the industry changed and I was a competitive bodybuilder, um, I was uh, also an IFBB uh, pro competitive at the time. Um, I just decided to open up a location with now my wife at the time it was uh, my girlfriend and we grew together, uh, basically putting our ideas together of what we didn't like about facilities, 
And we tried to change that for a positive experience for the general public. Okay, got it. So you kind of have been involved in this industry. And so you opened this facility, um, these facilities, I suppose, with like different experiences and things that you learned along your way during this time and in the industry. And so now you have your own facilities, you have your own brand, I suppose, you are top shelf fitness. So for our listeners, give us your elevator pitch, tell us, you know, who you guys are, the services that you provide at your location, kind of paint that picture for us. So the uh, ultimate idea for us was um, to provide something for the person that is becoming busier and busier, working one, two jobs, sometimes having a very stressful life. So we decided to open up a 24-hour access facility. Um, But what we noticed in most of the 24-hour access facilities is that they aren't equipped uh, correctly. Um, They didn't have really hardcore type equipment, or you could say, I say hardcore, but it's more of a serious thing. Um, A lot of the commercialized uh, companies are not providing a really good um, equipped facility. And then we noticed a lot of other things as we went along um, that a lot of the facilities weren't clean, a lot of them weren't maintained correctly. And these were a huge complaint that we noticed across the board when you started looking at reviews of different companies. Um, so what we decided to do was open up our own facility so that we had a place to train properly, being that we were both competitors. Um, and she also is professional as well. She's a IFBB uh, bikini. Um, She's still active right now competing. Um, So the passion that we had is what drove us. But then we started really picking up on things that the industry was needing and we started seeing a change. So as you know, the if you go back 15 years ago, there was gyms that were charging, you know, 15, uh, 20, 30, 40 and up to $75, maybe even more for a regular facility, but they were much large, uh, larger than they are um, right now, 30, 40,000 square foot facilities. And then a lot of the commercial companies came out and started offering 999, $19.99. But in one way, if you really think about it, it was a deceptive thing to do because they started telling people, oh, you're going to get a gym. But when they finally got inside, they didn't see the equipment that they did at the other locations. They saw just a lot of cardio equipment or light, you know, free weight area up to 60, 70 pounds of dumbbells. Um, Some of the bench presses were even being removed and things like that. So um, when we introduced this in 2017, we saw a huge uh, amount of people come to our facility and say, oh, thank God you're open because we couldn't find any of this equipment like hammer strength, plate loaded equipment and free uh, weights that was just missing from a lot of the facilities or they were stripped out to the point where they had like one or two machines, but they were always being used because people couldn't get it, get on that equipment anymore. So when we created the first location in 2017, that's when it catapulted. And then we started perfecting things, you know, like our learning curve uh, enabled us to open up our second location in just 11 months. Um, And then 11 months later, I winded up expanding. So I bought out my neighbor um, and that was in our Rockaway facility. Our neighbor um, just had another company. They were looking to move. I winded up taking that facility and expanding and going bigger. So that became very busy. And then the, you know, the next year after that, 
was obviously, you know, the pandemic. Um, and that was a little bit of a challenge for us. But then um, it took us about a year to get back on track again. And we just opened up our third location now, and that's in Stanhope. So our first one was in Lake Apacon. And um, I, I could say right now that if you go on and you look at our reviews, you'll see like what people say about us and they find us to be uh, great with customer service, um, very clean facility, always well-maintained. I mean, these are major things that a lot of facilities are lacking. And if uh, other gym owners are watching us, they probably can relate to what I'm saying right now. Okay, so you guys are like a full service, I guess, open style gym. Does that sound about, about right? Correct. So we have uh, two stores basically that are also installed into this. So like each location has its own supplement store. And in the supplement store, we actually have um, an employee there that handles membership services. They could sign up, they get their, uh, their scan card. And then at the same time, we have a juice bar that's also built into this so that they can get protein shakes and different types of supplementation that they need. And it just makes it a convenience. So, um, it's just something to nice to have like on site. So it's like a one-stop shop. And then we have separate hours for that location. So like the members have 24 hour access, but technically the supplement store has its own hours, which is like a 12 or 13 hour day. Okay. So outside of, you know, the, the businesses within the business, do you guys have like group training, personal training, any other levels of service on top of like the open style gym? We do have personal training there, but um, I would say that what I try to do is uh, we have a situation where a lot of uh, personal trainers come to us, they run their own business from our facility and they just pay like a, a monthly rent. Um, it's just much easier that way. I feel like it's more fair for the, the personal trainer. Um, I don't like the idea of a lot of the gyms charging, you know, X amount of money um, for personal training. And then they can't hold up to their commitment with that person because they're promising that they're going to receive say, uh, 10 sessions with a certain individual and that person's not available. So to alleviate that problem, we just let people run their own business and then their clients just become active members of our facility and they pay a one-time monthly rent. Okay. Got it. So, you know, with that being said, I think personal training is a huge resource because a lot of people walk into a gym like this and they don't know what they're doing. So to better right. serve our community and you and I, are both people that are motivated by helping people. That's what gets us excited and gets us going. We can really tap into personal training. And so right now you have that available. Is that a big part of your business? Do you have a lot of trainers training? Do you think that that's something that you guys could elevate to better serve your communities? So right now, uh, this part is a little bit hard for me to answer because the two facilities that we started, um, they were not in a high traffic uh, like, for example, like shopping center, they were in a um, warehouse type facility where there wasn't a lot of traffic there unless you found out about us through other people or advertising, you know, on Facebook or Instagram. Um, so we weren't getting a lot of foot traffic to come through. And we found out our clientele was a little bit on the more uh, acclimated to training than non-training. So they're, the personal trainers are bringing their own clients, but we're not getting a lot of walk-ins to 
ask for personal training because most of the people that are attracted to our facility are really serious individuals. But now the third location that we have, um, this is our first uh, rodeo right now where we are going to be in a very busy um, shopping center. And there's a strip mall there with a shop right and all different types of facilities uh, like restaurants. So we are now getting a big um, like inquiry about personal training. And I'm actually thinking about assembling a full personal training to be on staff, to be able to do consultations and then still have the personal trainers that um, could, you know, also bring in their own clients and pay rent the same way. So we might do both in this location. Yeah, I really like that idea because I think that, you know, when you think about franchising this and we haven't even really discussed that on, on air here, I guess yet, but that's one of your goals, right? And when you think about franchising it and like getting in like these prime locations, you're going to have all different walks of life walking through the door of your gym. It's not always going to be those people that know how to use the machines. I certainly do not. And so there's going to be other people who walk through the doors of your facility that need that help. Or, you know, maybe they want to lose 20 pounds, but they don't know how. And otherwise, they'd probably come into your facility you know, walk on the treadmill, do some curls and go home. And then they get frustrated after two months because they're not really seeing a whole lot of results and then they stop coming. So when we can offer extra services like personal training, nutritional support, all of those things, like we're helping our clients better see their goals. They stick around longer. They're happier. We're happier because we see them happy. Just like a full circle thing. Yeah, Um, I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. So, you know, next kind of question I have for you is within the facilities, how many people do you guys pack in right now? Like what, you know, how many members are you currently servicing within the facilities? So right now, altogether, between the two locations, we had about 2000 members, but we now purchased that third location that actually had um, a current membership uh, that was active. Uh, so we're anticipating to get another 1500 people that would bring us to right around three to 3,500, uh, members between the three locations. So our location is not, like I said, um, it's not a super huge gym, like a lot of the commercial, you know, LA's and planets, there are 30, 40,000 square foot facilities. Um, our facility is designed and I, it's a mathematical equation for me. Um, I basically have about 7,000 square foot in our new location. We have 6,000 square foot in our Rockaway facility. And then we have 4,500 square foot in our first facility that was in Lake Apacon. And pretty much each location can survive with from anywhere from 500 to 1,500 members um, where it's never too busy um, because the 24 hour, um, you know, access spreads people out, but it also a- allows you to be able to mathematically continue on functioning properly and not having to worry about not making enough money. My labor is very low. You know, all these things are huge factors that went into this because just so you know, like years ago, I was into the restaurant industry. I was a chef. Okay. So like for me at that time, labor was very important. Um, Labor was a huge factor for most restaurants that have 
like an unsuccessful time frame and they close up and that's goes hand in hand with gyms you know a lot of times gyms are not managed correctly um i've been contacted now by about three or four locations here locally to me that are saying that they want to happening is um we're in a situation where um these locations are not being you know like uh profitable so a lot of the ownership wants to just get rid they're not understanding there is a um a need right now for a labor cautious cautious um you know um program that you're going to be able to like minimize your amounts of money to be able to profit in certain areas. But that's why when we designed our facility, we were able to be profitable right out of the gate because we didn't have a huge overhead and the overhead comes from primarily labor. Um, so, you know, like, I don't want to bore you with this, but meaning this is, you know, where I'm coming from with, with the labor side of things um, being very low. Yeah. And I think like, you know, in a gym like this, like you don't necessarily have to have a lot of employees, like you're, you're doing just fine without that. Um, but what I like to think about is like, you know, how, what can we do to best serve our clients in our facility to help them see better results? And it sounds like you guys have all the equipment, you have all the things needed to be, you know, to help them see success. You guys have any ideas of like different levels of service that you're looking to add to the facilities to help clients get that edge? Do you have nutrition services or anything like that? Yeah. So Liana, my wife is actually, a, uh, she handles the personal training side of things because she has her own business. And then she's also certified in um, doing diets and doing actual one-on-one -on -one training. So she does online uh, training and then being her, that she's a professional athlete, she has a lot of competitors too. So she's doing posing and um, also diets for competition, which is a little bit more extreme than your regular dieting. And then she has just regular dieting for you know healthy lifestyle uh so she does it all and then she actually is the one who distributes um any of the leads that come into the facility so she'll basically give those out to each um trainer that has their own business so that this way they can put the proper person with that like once we find out what their goals are we know what trainer is probably the best for them Got it. Got it. So right now, do you guys have a lot of leads flowing in, especially with that third location that are looking for personal training or is it, you know, not something that you have really advertised yet? That We haven't really gotten very active with advertising that yet, but the third location is like right now being built out. So like we're, it's, we're doing something that's pretty unheard of, but we're actually letting the current membership use the facility while we're under construction, but we should be having our grand opening in July. So I'd say within the next 30 days, the sign is going to be going up. We're changing the layout of the way it is. I already brought in phase one, which was all the equipment that I needed. Like I hand select all the equipment. When I go in like to a facility, I have to look at every piece of equipment that comes in and I design it based on what I know I'm going to need. And also what people would be in demand, like looking for, you know, like, so um, a lot of the facilities when they're designed, they're just designed 
um, incorrectly. I know it's hard to say that, you know, because every facility, I haven't been in all of them, but most of them, when they're a commercialized company, they really don't offer the right things. For example, they'll have one leg extension or they'll have one lying leg curl. But those right. are very active things. Like I have two or three, even though I'm a small facility, you would never feel like you're waiting for something because I have multiple pieces of the things that you really needed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, having all that equipment and stuff, it, it's, it's great because you're better, you're able to better serve your clients. And the fact that you really spend a time meticulously planning out everything within the facility so that you guys can ultimately serve your clients better is wonderful. And um, if, you ever, if you ever wanted to see any of that, you could go on we have a virtual tour too. So you could actually walk through our facility as if you were inside. Nice. Um, yeah. Technically, like, um, I could share that link with you later if you'd like to, you know, like broadcast that too. For sure. For sure. Thank you. So, you know, I want to move on to a topic here that I think a lot of gym owners, you know, have a, have a tough time with. And that's the idea of, you know, what are you guys actively doing to aid the growth process in terms of like getting new faces in through the doors of your facility? Like, how do people hear about you? Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's, Something that like it's there's so much going on through my mind right now when you ask me that question because designed to be able to be sales, um, very salesy and go out and have a team and have lead boxes and all that, and that is not my style. We want people to bring in their friends and family through. At what we've performed and how we've performed. It did take me a little bit of time um, for the membership to be uh, built up, but it's because we were bringing in people that were good members, bringing other good members, and it just built a great community. Um, so we really aren't very active with paying for advertising other than we've tried like Facebook, which seemed to be pretty good and Google. But I mean, other than that, we're not very active on the uh, advertising side thing. Like we tried magazines and stuff. We never have any success with anything like that. Yeah. To be honest with you, I mean, outside of word of mouth, the only effective way to really advertise your business these days is digital ads on Facebook, Instagram, Google, and things like that. Um, and so, you know, you said that you guys don't really do a lot of, you know, marketing because you feel like it's salesy you want your friends to bring in their family i mean your members to bring in their friends and their family and that's good right but also you told me at the beginning of this podcast um maybe we were off air maybe we were on air but like that you want to help people so how do you reach those people that have no idea that you know you exist or they don't already have a friend that go to your facility and like I mean yeah, so we do update our Instagram account all the time. We constantly are showing, um, you know, like uh, our progress of like other, you know, people that have come to us, for example, if they were for personal training or if they were just an active member, their transformations. I mean, like we do a lot of like social media and stuff like that. So like every day we're constantly active and it seems to me like social media is spreading the world uh, the word just enough because you're finding that um, everyone goes online for motivation and that seems to be the best outlet. I mean, it's a free way of doing it. You don't have to, uh, to do too much, but 
I mean, ultimately it comes down to what I was saying before though, too, it comes down to what you're producing as an owner of a facility, you're going to be graded just like everybody else. And the thing is when you have good, you know, reviews and you have a clean facility and you have a great atmosphere and you can see things like you were saying before about clients that are getting results. That's all you really need. It's, this is not a, there's nothing to figure out. Uh, it's very simple. And mainly a lot of times your own work that you're doing every day, as long as people could see it on social media, will sell your facility for your, you know, for your future, because people want to be where they know that other people are being treated properly when it comes to customer service, when it comes to how they feel in their facility, the environment, I mean, all of that matters. So like for me to say to someone that advertising matters, I mean, you can advertise as much as you want, but if the facility is not, you know, up to par and it's not being cleaned and like you're driving people in, but they're not, re the retention is not there. They're going to leave because they're going to know that they're not being serviced properly. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important to have the the right environment within your facility, but I also see the importance in advertising. You have to have both parts there because ultimately, like, you could have great organic posting on your social media, but the, at the end of the day, if somebody's not looking for a gym, typing in, you know, gyms near me or, you know, their friend shared a post that you posted and so they saw it, if they're not looking for that, they are never going to know that you exist. And there goes, you know, potential clients that we could have helped save their life, you know, help to them get started in the health and fitness industry. And so that's why I personally feel so passionate about advertising because I think it's a really, really vital tool. Um, but kind of moving on from that, want to ask you a question that I think might be relatable for others listening to this show while we still have some time here is, you know, what's a challenge, a bottleneck that you've faced along the way um, or that you're currently facing? Um, and, you know, what are you doing to actively kind of overcome that? Well, that's a, a pretty, you know, good question because um, it's, it's employment. I mean, right now to, to find good employment is the biggest challenge. And, you know, you asked me, do I have a solution to that? I, I really don't have a solution to that right now. I mean, you, all you can do is just stay very consistent with staying active and always running, you know, like a now hiring, you know, type of an ad and try to keep doing as many interviews as you can, because you can't just hire anyone and you have to be able to find someone that has the same passion as you the same energy as you to be able to give customer service to the members to be able to to give what you're promising that you're going to give as an owner and the hard part is finding um you know like a a solid staff that's going to stay with you and um you know there's a lot of turnover there's a lot of people that are changing careers there's a lot of people that are moving in different directions or they're going to school so it's pretty hard um, that's the biggest challenge for me. I mean, I, I don't really have many challenges in, in our industry other than the pandemic was a little bit of a challenge for everyone, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, ultimately on a day-to-day -day basis, it just seems like my wife and I constantly keep talking about, oh, I hope we could find a couple of really good people because, you know, so-and-so is given their two weeks notice because they're leaving to go to school or they're, they're, go they're moving away or a lot of them are moving out of New Jersey, moving to Florida. I mean, like we have a huge amount of, um, 
you know, movement here when it comes to things. It's, uh, it's, I mean, if you have a suggestion, I'm willing to listen to you too. So if you, you yeah. have some kind of yeah. solution, that'd be great. I mean, think about this industry and I mean, you've been in it for a while, so you, I'm sure you've seen it. Like people move in and out of this industry and it's not like, I think it's always a struggle to keep employees around. My question to you would be, you know, what, kind of employees do you feel like you guys need within your staff? Like what kind of role would these employees need to fill? I mean, it just, it just comes down to a a few basic things. I mean, I just, I really want someone with like, that's prompt and on time and consistent and pretty much like having good integrity, you know, meaning like, and just someone who really cares and someone who is willing to be able to, have a conversation with someone and retain some information about their lifestyle and like what they do. If someone gives them, you know, a lot of people come in as a member and they want to talk to people and express to them how they feel. And if they're having a challenge with weight loss or they're feeling depressed or down, or they, they don't know how to eat, you know, for dieting purposes. I mean, I just want to find someone who really cares that's willing to listen to them because I think that's very important. I mean, someone that's going to be able to, you know, interact with them, not only just listen, but maybe give back a a, a little bit of an opinion on how they feel um, or what could be motivational to them or just point them in the right direction or just be there to, to be a, a, an ear to listen to, or like I said, retaining things, just like being able to know that someone had a, a wedding or party. And I know that, you know, that, you would say, well, what does that have to do with fitness? It, it, it has everything to do with it because someone is coming to your facility because they feel like they're at home and they feel like they're, you know, within their family, then like all of our members know each other. It, it's to the point right now where members know each other so good that they'll tell me if they haven't seen the with. Are you still with me? Sorry about that. I, someone was just calling in on, I'm sorry about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's really what I'm looking for when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to a, um, a good employee. I mean, it's, it's not just about like work ethic. It's about other things too. Yeah, definitely. So do you guys, do you feel like you do enough? Like, I think a big part of, you know, hiring, it comes down to us and like what we're doing for our staff, you know, are we properly compensating them? Are we providing them with the things that they need to be able to grow in their career? And so like, I challenge you to like, really take a look at that aspect of things. Like imagine yourself as an employee, would this be the type of place that you would want to work at? What would make this the ideal and kind of make those those challenges put yourself in the shoes of your employees but you know I kind of want to ask you the last loaded juicy question that I have for you is what's your goal with this where do you want to take this business down the road if I could hand you a magic wand and I was like all right Tom all your dreams have come true um what would that picture look like for you uh so pretty much right now if I had a magic wand I would like to put one of these facilities in every single, you know, um, parts of different States, you know, like, so if I could go across the country, that would be great. Um, I don't know, uh, how many locations I don't have a specific amount of locations in my mind, but my ultimate goal is to go across the state of New Jersey to offer that facility to, um, everyone locally, and then go right across 
uh, from interstate to like intrastate and then right across to uh, nationwide, you know, like, because I really believe this type of facility is needed. Um, I really believe that it's so important for quality of time with your family um, to be able to have your fitness at your fingers and your time frame. So like that's going to make so, things so much better for your family, because if you can go to the facility anytime, that makes living with life and having a family and being able to do things with your kids, you could go out there and do what you need to do and still live a healthy lifestyle with no excuse as to say, Oh, well, I had my kids, you know, events. I couldn't go here. I couldn't do that. I couldn't go there. I had to go food shopping. Like that's so important. But then on the flip side, it's also important to have a well-equipped, you know, like facility that can function for you. It, it, it can't just be a 24 hour facility with not enough equipment because then you're not being able to get the workout that you need to, you know, like, it becomes almost like a hotel gym where they have just light equipment. You could do a, a facility workout for the day, but not every day. You know, you can't change your program because it's so limited on, on equipment that's offered. Absolutely. And so, you know, you have a plan of how you're going to get there. You guys have a great mindset. I'm excited to see how you're able to grow in the future, you know, from the three locations that you have now, see how far you can take this thing. Um, I appreciate your time and being here with me today. Do you guys have a social media page that we can go find you at? Yes. It's just at like, so on Instagram, it's at Top Shelf Fitness Center, all one word, Top Shelf Fitness Center. Um, but if you were to interested in doing the, um, you know, the uh, tour that I had said, you can go to Linktree and then it's slash top shelf fitness. And you'll be able to just uh, do a virtual tour right on there of both of our facilities and our third location being built out right now. We'll also have that one uploaded soon. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here, Tom, for your insight today. For our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in as well. Don't forget, if you want to stay notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. And if you want to join us for an episode here at the Gym Lords Podcast, fill out the link in the description and our team will be in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.